Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob, and this is episode number 51. And this episode is actually going to be kind of a mashup episode. And I'm not talking about potatoes. I'm talking about the fact that after 51 episodes, I've got a lot of components available to to draw from, right? So I'm not like it's not it's kind of fusiony, but that's not what I'm that's not what I'm talking about. I'm making Moroccan kefta kebabs, which are fantastic. But it's like that's only one part of the meal, you know. Uh, in addition to that, I made pita bread, which was an episode from, I don't know, probably about a month and a half, two months ago at this point. And I, as a sauce, I made a variation of the coconut cream sauce that I made with the shrimp tacos two weeks ago. So we kind of incorporated all that kind of stuff together. And then you you think about different types of cuisine and you know, these kebabs, you know, they seem unique in isolation, like on the ground level. But if you zoom out to like 30,000 feet and think about things like hot dogs and sausages, meatloaf, kebabs, corn dogs, I don't know, uh, the satay, you know, these type of things, meat on a stick, meat in a tube form or whatever. If aliens came to earth and they observed kefta and hot dogs and hot sausage and a meatloaf, they'd be like, hey, this is uh, this is one of the foods that these uh, creatures eat, right? And we would be like, come on, man, these are all so different. But then, you know, think about you look at squirrels. What do squirrels eat? Nuts, right? But the squirrel's like, nah, bro. I eat walnuts. I eat hickory nuts. I eat beech nuts. I eat acorns. I eat hazelnuts. And we're like, yeah, that's what I said, man, you, you eat nuts. And they're like, no, no, they're so different. They're so different. <laughs> anyway, hey, also, um, during this episode, if you hear some bird sounds, since it's not your headphones uh, across the hall in my office, in the incubator, chicks are emerging from their shells and they can be shockingly loud. It's incredible. They're in there. They sound like they're in great duress. But they are not. They're just, it's the first time hearing their voice outside of an egg and they are just letting it, letting it rip. All right. We're making these Moroccan kef- kefta kebabs. Um, also, uh, what's the other, uh, sometimes they're called kofta also, depending, you know, maybe, maybe it's regional. Uh, maybe it's just another, you know, like a bastardization of the name or whatever. But these kebabs are essentially a ground lamb as the meat, I mean, you can use ground beef too, but I use lamb. It's ground and then it's formed around a skewer. Okay, we'll talk about the the construction of these or whatever. In addition to these kebabs, I made a, um, I not, I mean, probably I didn't even look at like a recipe for this, so I, I may have missed something super obvious. But I made like a tabbouleh salad using you know parsley and tomatoes and cucumbers and bell pepper, a little bit of onion and lemon juice and olive oil and salt, maybe a little pepper. And inst- I couldn't find bulgur wheat at my local grocery store. So I used couscous instead. And let me tell you what, it was, it was fine. 
It was good. It was wonderful, you know, and not be able to find bulgur wheat at your your rural Appalachian Walmart or Giant Eagle, because I went to two grocery stores looking for it, is the epitome of third world problems, or third world, first world problems. Uh, you know, if, if it was a third world problem, I wouldn't be able to find all the other ingredients. I'd be like, yeah, I'm up to my eyeballs in bulgur wheat, but I can't get any lamb. But anyway, um, same, same rules for the podcast as every episode. Check the show notes for things like the imager album link let me think is there going to be any links to special ingredients or equipment i can't imagine i can't imagine there would be probably not maybe maybe i'll be helpful and put a link back to the pita bread recipe maybe i'll put a link to I mean, come on, this other episode, the shrimp tacos was two weeks ago for the coconut cream sauce because that is fantastic. I said in that original episode, I was like, I am looking forward to using this and a bunch of other things. Boom. Two weeks later, I'm putting it on kebabs. It was it was divine. It was very, very good. Yeah. So maybe I can link back to those things. recipes for, you know, all the individual parts uh, we'll be in there with plain text recipe so you don't have to, you know, get digging through somebody's life story. But yeah, let's uh, let's start off here. Oh, and the other thing I did make was hummus, which I don't think I'm going to go into the whole hummus making thing. I mean, hummus is simple and you can just you can also buy it already made. You can make it yourself super, super easy, very economical um, and you can make it different flavors, different intensities of flavor. But I don't want to turn this into a hummus episode, but there was hummus, tabbouleh. The coconut cream sauce, pita bread, and kebabs. And holy cow, I was really impressed with this one. So let's get started. Rough ingredients, no like major uh, or super specific uh, measurements here, but we're going to use uh, ground lamb. We're going to grind this ourselves, and th that'll be a whole part of the process. An onion. I used a white onion. I, 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 I specifically wanted the wateriness in the mild flavor of the white onion. You can use whatever kind of onion you want. Probably don't want to use red onion for this, but white onion, yellow onion, whatever. Uh, paprika, cumin, salt, pepper, cayenne pepper, fresh parsley, and we're going to talk about the parsley. And uh, what else? Oh, it's just a little bit of cinnamon. Yeah, remember that episode of Seinfeld where they're talking about the special ingredients and the cookies? And he said, it's cinnamon. It's always cinnamon. Anytime there's a special ingredient, it's it's cinnamon. Cinnamon makes it pop. So cinnamon and uh, some mint leaves because uh, our mint is growing out of control because it's springtime and it's beautiful. And mint pairs so well with lamb and, uh, you know, and North African Middle Eastern cuisine as it is, we got to use that. So let's start with the with the beef or not the beef, the lamb. If you have a, a a large selection of lamb at your grocery store or your butcher shop or something like that, you can get fairly cheap cuts of lamb. Okay, because we're going to be grinding it actually twice. We're going to make this a very fine mince, as they say. But you know, my choice was either lamb loin chops or no lamb at all. So I had to go with kind of a, a semi-premium cut of lamb and then just, uh, you know, flay it from the bones and grind it myself. And it was 
it was good. So I was using you know, the pretty much the best part of the lamb and then turning it into a very fine lamb burger. So yeah, let's start with the grinding process. You get your lamb, if it's on the bone, cut it off the bone, cut it into your reasonable size pieces. I guess I could I guess I could put a, a link to the old uh, KitchenAid stand mixer meat grinder attachment for this episode. But for this recipe, what you definitely want to do is do two grinds, two passes, and you want to go from coarse to fine. And that second pass, when you do it on fine, you want it to be as fine as possible. We want this, think about it, what I, I compared this to meatloaf and hot dogs. Hot dogs classically are an emulsified sausage, so they're extremely fine mince, right? Meatloaf, you know, can be coarser or whatever, but what we're going to do is we're going to grind this coarsely. We're going to add parsley, onion, and all the seasonings, mint leaves, and then we're going to grind it again, and we're going to grind it on the finest grinding plate that we can, so that it comes out very, very fine. And what's going to happen is that onion that is ground into the meat and the herbs that are ground into the meat is going to impart a lot of moisture. I mean, it's going to, it's going to give it flavor, obviously, but there's going to be a lot of moisture added to this by the end. You're going to have this like very succulent, uh, delicious texture and flavor of the meat whenever it's done, mostly owing to the onion. And also, you know, if you, if you have a fatty piece of lamb that has a reasonable amount of lamb fat, on it uh, that will help as well now lamb can be kind of polarizing like some people are just like i don't like lamb i don't like the flavor of lamb and i gotta tell you I, I understand that but even if you're not a huge fan if you if you can tolerate the flavor of a gyro you know definitely give this a shot because the flavor of lamb meat and lamb fat that's just like one like accent mark on the flavor of these uh, kebabs. The combination of things like parsley and cinnamon and cumin amongst the spices, but those flavors, they play off of the flavor of the lamb itself to create this new flavor. It's like a uh, when you put three things together and the thing that comes out is, oh my God, it's greater than the sum of its parts. It's completely different. It's a transformative flavor and it's fantastic. And it's definitely recognizable as like, gyro meat flavor you know it's it's amazing that once you once you hit you know the cuban the paprika and the onion notes that it's like oh yeah this is this is absolutely gyro flavored meat whereas you know similarly when you get the paprika and the coriander um marrying up with like white pepper and garlic it's like, wow, this turns it into a hot dog. This is what hot dog tastes like. <laughs> so anyway, you grind your lamb through on a coarse ground. Um, use very, very finely diced onion. Add that to it. Let's talk about the parsley. I got to say the Food Network was quite beneficial to the, the, the culinary IQ of America, of a whole generation of people that kind of came of age in the early 2000s and be, were exposed to things like Iron Chef and Giada De Laurentiis and Alton Brown and Bobby Flay and Ina Garten, you know, but, 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 but a couple things kind of stuck as like a rule of thumb or a maxim, you know, in, in the culinary world. One of those, and I understand where it comes from and why it was said this way or why it was 
why it was conveyed to the audience in certain circumstances. But a lot of people have taken this to mean that it's a universal, that like X is greater than Y. And, it, and it's just an objective difference in that case. But what I'm talking about is the parsley wars, flat leaf versus curly leaf parsley. And a lot of TV chef personalities really drove home the idea that you should choose flat leaf parsley because the flavor is superior when used you know, mostly, I think, in Italian cooking, right? And it was like, it was like curly leaf parsley was relegated to that of an inedible garnish of just like a frilly thing that goes in between the rows and the meat counter or something like that. And the fact of the matter is curly leaf parsley certainly, certainly has a place in the culinary landscape. And when it comes to Mediterranean, North African, Middle Eastern cooking, curly leaf parsley is it is it like that is that is the parsley that they're talking about 99 percent of the time that is the parsley that we're talking about in this recipe and uh, a couple reasons for it i mean the flavor is still very bright and clean similar not not dissimilar from flat leaf parsley but it's its texture holds up we are basically using this parsley one as a flavoring ingredient and as a fortification for these kebabs for this ground meat product but then also when you make like tabbouleh salad or you know you're chopping it up and and spreading it across you know a, a platter of whatever having that that robust mouth feel like the bite to it that is integral to the dish you know what i mean a lot of people also elevate every other form of lettuce above iceberg however if you go to a you know a corporate steakhouse chain you gotta order a wedge salad which is literally a quarter of a head of iceberg lettuce drenched in blue cheese dressing and bacon cherry tomatoes and all this other stuff it's like it that that is what the wedge salad is like you have to have iceberg lettuce for the wedge salad so in certain dishes the parsley choice is curly leaf parsley all right so just be aware of that that you know and and it is is funny too uh i had to go to both grocery stores because the first one didn't have curly leaf parsley and i was like i am not i am not settling for flat leaf here i have this whole diatribe that i want to go on in the podcast uh, so anyway, I did secure some, I mean, I have, I have curly leaf parsley planted also, but I needed like a lot of it <laughs> for this. And I didn't want to go out and weed whack all of my parsley all at once, right at the beginning of the season. All right. All right. All right. Back to back, back to this, back to this. So we've ground our lamb once through on course. We've added finely diced onion. We've added paprika and cumin and salt and pepper and cayenne pepper. And we've added big handful of fresh, finely chopped curly leaf parsley, a pinch of cinnamon, and uh, I don't know, a half dozen, eight, ten mint leaves. Also finely, like you can chiffonade those, chop them up nice and fine and throw those in there. Mix it up into the coarsely ground lamb and then pass it through your grinder a second time on the smallest grind plate uh, holes whatever it is, one millimeter holes, send it through there and uh, then put that in the fridge. We need to let that cool down 
and let it relax. Let all those flavors kind of permeate and marry together. I mean, you can leave it in there for a while while you get everything else ready here. We'll return to the meat shortly. For uh, the tabbouleh salad, I was thinking about this one also. Tabbouleh is to middle. So if 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 kefta is to uh, Middle Eastern cooking what the hot dog or the meatloaf is to Midwestern cooking, then tabbouleh is the analog of the chop salad. You know, the salad where everything's really chopped up nice and fine and it looks pretty. You get all the flavors in every bite. And the only downside is that you basically have to eat it with a spoon or scoop it onto the fork because if you stab around there, nothing is really big enough to uh, to get onto the tines. And that can be a little frustrating when you're really hungry and you just want to eat a whole bunch of salad real fast. But anyway, so you have your curly leaf parsley, you have a whole bunch of it and you chop it up nice and fine. You put that into a big bowl and then you dice up some, you, you reserve some of that onion. You use like four fifths of the onion for the, for the kefta and the remaining one-fifth, you chop it up nice and fine. You add it to your uh, your parsley. And then you you dice up some, some English-style cucumbers with minimal pulp and seed. And you add that in there. And then you dice up some uh, some green bell pepper for that for that pop, that fresh, watery flavor that everybody knows and loves. And throw that in there. And uh, a tomato. And it doesn't have to be a fancy tomato. In fact, the less fancy, the better, probably, because you don't want a lot of pulp. You don't want um, it to be too too squishy. You want it to hold up, hold its own structurally, the structural integrity of the tomato in the salad. Chop that up and throw it in there. And then the juice of one lemon and a nice splash of, oh, here we go. Here, Here's another one. Um, this is turning into uh, everything you thought you knew is wrong, or even if it's right, it sounds too pretentious to say. And I blame... I squarely blame Ina Garten for this one. Have you ever heard someone say whenever you're adding olive oil to a recipe? I mean, sometimes they just say olive oil and they don't qualify it, but they never say, oh, just any old olive olive oil. You can use the bottom shelf olive oil. No, no, no. They either don't uh, modify olive oil. They say olive oil or they say good olive oil. Yeah. Some... We're going to put some salt, some pepper, and some good olive oil. And it's like, come on, lady. Well, in this case, you kind of want to use like the best olive oil that you can get a hold of because it's so integral to the flavor profile. I mean, look, if you're going to be like just sauteing some zucchini, you know, to eat on the porch, yeah, use you know, whatever, olive oil, yeah, 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 you know, who cares? But if it's going to be basically an unadorned dress, like we're not even emulsifying this with the lemon juice. We're not adding anything to it. It's like literally I want the flavor of olive oil in here. Then you want the most interesting flavor of olive oil in here. So, you know, use the good olive oil. I almost can't bring myself to say it because it sounds, it's just too pretentious. Okay. But, you know, really good olive oil is... It's fruity. It's spicy. It's got a little bit of spice to it. It has a, despite the fact that it is a lubricating oil, it has like a dryness, like a tannic sort of like makes your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth sort of uh, quality to it. Um, so that kind of, that kind of olive oil, you're, eh, maybe it'll be a little cloudy, maybe not, not quite as crystal clear 
as you know your your the olive oil that Ina Garten doesn't approve of. But anyway, the, the best olive oil that you can um, that you can justify spending money on, use that. Give it a couple glugs in there. Uh, salt, pepper, and now here's the thing: bulgur wheat. That is traditionally what you would use in tabbouleh, and it, it this isn't a thing. Some people get it backwards. Like it's not. This isn't a wheat salad with parsley in it. This is a parsley salad with wheat in it. And bulgur wheat, you can you can just if you get the soft kind. I don't know. There's soft soft bulgur, hard bulgur, whatever. If it's soft bulgur, you can just soak it in like room temperature water for a while, and that'll hydrate it enough that that you can use it. Um, in this application, if it's the hard kind, you might have to use hot water, even boiling or just simmering water, whatever. It's irrelevant because I could find bulgur wheat at my grocery store. So I was like, uh, I'll use couscous instead. Couscous being, uh, you know, and what is considered the North, North African, Middle Eastern pasta product. It's like the panko of, of pasta. Um, super simple to prepare a little salted water. Uh, bring that to a boil, add equal, an equal, you're doing equal parts water and, and couscous. So if you're boiling a cup of water, add a cup of couscous, stir it into the boiling water, remove from the heat, cover, let it sit there for five or 10 minutes. And then you come in and you sort of just break it up with a fork. Um, and then you can incorporate a, a portion of that. Don't use the whole you know, if you're doing it, one cup of water, one cup of couscous, that's way too much couscous for the amount of tabbouleh that you're actually making. So just add um, a third of it, a third of it, add a third of it and mix it up and it'll be beautiful. Let that sit for a while. Like do that first and uh, put it in the fridge, uh, yeah, put it somewhere cool and let that go. The lemon juice, the salt, um, even like the moisture in the onions, it'll all sort of marry together and be delicious after a little while. And then also... Uh, if you do some hummus, uh, hummus would be great with this. <laughs> uh, for the uh, what you call it, for the 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 coconut cream sauce, did not follow the same recipe that it, from two weeks ago with the shrimp tacos, but I used the the coconut cream. So you open a can of coconut cream, coconut milk, whatever. The cream will be it'll form like a cap at the top, and it'll be roughly a cup's worth. With a spoon, very carefully, just scoop out all the cream. Leave the coconut water behind. You don't need any of that. Get that cream into a bowl. Juice one lime, salt, pepper. You can use granulated garlic for this one. I mean, with the um, with the taco episode, we were using fresh garlic, fresh ginger, yada, yada, yada. Uh, use some granulated garlic and some ch uh, very finely chopped curly leaf parsley and mint leaves. And then whisk that up real nice. And that'll be a, a phenomenal uh, sauce for this. Now, let's talk about putting together our kefta kebabs. You get your meat out. You get your uh, bamboo skewers. Now, a lot, of, a lot of recipes are going to say soak your skewers for 30 minutes of water. It is, that is not going to be necessary for this because, if one, if you're doing this on the grill, you can arrange them on the grill so that the uh, skewers are mostly off the grill. You know, the meat is on the grill and the skewers are off the grill. The skewers are not going to be exposed where the meat is surrounding them because uh, you're molding meatloaf essentially around the skewer. So you're protecting the skewer. So you don't have to do this whole 30 minute soak in water thing. Okay. But anyway, you get your bamboo skewers, you get a handful of your meat, 
you want to form this into like a hot dog shape, a sausage shape, roughly, you know, five, six inches long, whatever. Now, I highly recommend that you make this shape and then you actually skewer the meat with the skewer. Because like when you make it, you're, you're looking at there and you're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm holding this, this hot dog shaped meatloaf in one hand. Can't I just press the skewer or like into the side of the, uh, of the meat so that it makes like an indentation. It makes a, a, a chasm and presses it down to the center and then just kind of mush the meat around it to secure it to the skewer. You can totally do that. However, it will, I don't, I'm not a meat scientist. I don't know why, but it will not be as robust <laughs> as if you actually make the form and then skewer the meat. Okay. And while these are raw, like before they're cooked, they are very fragile. Like it's, it's held together by, uh, by hopes and prayers and, and dreams and the, the whispers of long lost loves. You kind of want to get these together as strongly and as robustly as possible. So make the shape, skewer the meat, lay them out on a, on a plate. You make, you know, a bunch of them. If you're using like a pound or so, two pounds of, if you're using two pounds of lamb, you should definitely be able to get at least six good size skewers, maybe eight if you really measure it out nicely. Now, cooking these, Ooh, highly recommend using a grill, okay? There is something about this flavor because lamb has like this natural sweetness to it. And then a lot of the flavors that we've added are on like the peppery side, you know, the cumin, the black pepper, the cayenne pepper, the paprika. These are all peppery flavors, but there's also a little bit of cinnamon hiding in there, right? Hey, that that's going to accentuate the sweetness. <laughs> the the little bit of mint accentuates the sweetness. So the flavor of like smoke and fire and char, that is a nice contrast to the sweetness. And it kind of like reinforces the pepperiness. I don't know. I mean, like you can totally put these on a baking sheet, slide them into the oven, turn the broiler on, cook them that way whatever. But if you can do it on a grill, highly recommend it. Now, most grills are going to have grill grates, right? And that's not going to be a huge problem, but it makes it slightly more difficult than if you have whatever this surface is that I was cooking on. I don't know what it's called. And I can't even like reference anything because the grill that I use, my grandfather built out of steel and concrete and stuff like this. So he made it and it's just like that grill surface that's intermediate between grill grates and like a hibachi flat top where it's strands of of steel that are all parallel but they're very close together there's no space in between um the the components of the grill surface that makes it a lot easier okay because this these are very fragile until they start cooking like once once the heat is applied and the uh the proteins kind of start to cauterize and, and and retract and firm up they will create a solid mass on the skewers they'll be they'll be very strong you know you'll be able to move them around or whatever but until that point like you put them on the grill you want to leave them on one side for a little while so that they they cook well um at least you know at least a third of the way through the body of the meat so that it firms up so that you can maneuver them now to flip them i use a spatula to sort of get it under the meat part and then holding the the skewer and the spatula together in in concert i would flip those and let the other side cook 
And yeah, you're looking at, you know, roughly 10 minutes total cook time. Uh, so you get those off the grill, garnish them with some chopped scallion and some lemon wedges. And then, you know, how you want to eat this kind of up to you. Take a, take a pita, lay your, lay your kebab in the middle of it and kind of slide it off so that you have something resembling a taco or a hot dog. You can add some tabbouleh, some hummus. And certainly a good dollop of that coconut cream sauce. And holy moly, was it good. It was so good. It tasted like summer. You know, parsley is such a bright. That's one of the things I I don't like an old wives tale type of thing that parsley cleans your insides. It deodorizes your body. And I can see where that comes from because it just it tastes like a breath of fresh air. It is delicious. Lots of parsley, lots of lemon. Lots of olive oil, good olive oil, as Heine Garten would say. It makes my skin crawl, but in this case, like I said, use the good olive oil. Anyway, uh, that's basically it. Moroccan kefta kebabs. Um, Reasonably simple. I mean, I think the majority of the time spent was... you know, making all the other stuff, making the tabbouleh, making the uh, the hummus, making the sauce, uh, grinding and forming the meat and all that was, uh, you know, 15 minutes total plus 10 minutes of cook time. Um, yeah, lots of lots of pieces, lots of moving parts for this one, but nothing in particular was particularly difficult. Definitely fantastic. Loved it. I can't wait to bake it again. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week.